1: Welcome to the 32nd episode of the Financial Advisor Success Podcast. My guest on today's podcast is Brittany Castro. Brittany is the founder of Financially Wise Women, an independent RIA in the Los Angeles area that specializes in providing fee-only financial planning for professional women in their 30s and 40s. What's unique about Brittany's advisory business, though, is not just that she's generating more than $100,000 of standalone financial planning fees – But that by building an entire personal brand business around herself, she's been able to diversify her revenue streams as a financial advisor to include offering online courses, getting paid for speaking, and even doing corporate partnerships where she's paid to be a brand ambassador for financial literacy. In this episode, Brittany talks in depth about the digital marketing strategies she uses to attract young professional women who are ready and willing to pay her $2,500 to $5,500 financial planning fees The five meeting process she uses over the span of six months to deliver her financial planning advice and earn those fees and how she structures her ongoing retainer fee for clients and and even what she does for them on an ongoing basis when there's not necessarily a portfolio to manage and she's simply being paid for ongoing financial planning advice. In addition, we also look at how Brittany built her highly scalable online money class course on personal finance and and how she's been able to generate nearly $100,000 of additional revenue over the past few years by selling her course for $497 a person, despite spending less than $10,000 and 40 to 50 hours of her time to make it in the first place, which means her investment into building that online course has generated about a whopping $2,000 an hour for her time. We also look at how Brittany gets paid for professional speaking, uh, the world of influencer marketing, and, and why a financial institution would pay a financial advisor a substantial amount of money just to have her be affiliated with their brand. And be certain to listen to the end where Brittany talks about how the key to her success is all about focusing on one area of her business at a time, working on improving it, and then moving on to the next area. And while maintaining a large number of independent outsourcers to leverage her time, who each help her in some narrow specialized aspect of her rather diverse business. And so with that introduction, I hope you enjoy this episode of the Financial Advisor Success Podcast with Brittany Castro. Welcome, Brittany Castro, to the Financial Advisor Success Podcast.
2: Thank you for having me. It's great to be here.
1: I've been looking forward to this episode because I've uh, honestly I've, I've long admired from afar what you've been building as an entrepreneurial advisor so you've you've got this cool niche business financially wise women working with female professionals in the in the la area where you are and I, and I know you've been very active with Facebook marketing and YouTube marketing. You've got a, a rap video out there for consumers on <laughs> personal finance. You've experimented with online courses, a, a money class for women to get better oriented about their finances. You're doing work as a education ambassador for Chase Financial, and, and so I'm 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 just really excited to have you on to, to share like what you've learned. You tried a whole bunch of stuff that I don't think very many other advisors have have even tried.
2: Yes, thank you. Yeah, I've I've tested a lot, <laughs> so oh, it's very, it's good.
1: Oh, very cool. So I maybe as a starting point, like just tell us a little bit about your advisory firm as it exists today.
2: Mm-hmm. So Financially Wise Women is a RIA. We're four and a half years old, and basically we do fee only financial planning and other media partnerships. So. I like to say I'm like a hybrid between a financial planning and almost like a financial education company. So just like the three service pillars are one, financial planning, and we charge flat fees for comprehensive financial planning. We don't do any commissions or investment management fees The second pillar are the online products. So currently I have one, which is a money class to teach women the basics of financial management. Uh, We're releasing some more classes later this year. And then the third pillar is like my speaking and corporate partnerships. And that kind of, I guess, would fall more under like the education and media side of the company. So it is very non-traditional in terms of what we do?
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, I think for most of us advisors, like you know, we would end after the first pillar, right? We yeah. I, I do financial <laughs> planning, people, and I get paid for people, and I get paid. Like, okay, there we go. So, but let's start there because I, I think at least yeah. that's the part that's that's probably most familiar to to most advisors. You said a couple of interesting things there. You you're doing flat free, comprehensive financial planning. You said no commissions. You also said no no investments. So I guess you're not even doing. AUM or managing portfolios. So can tell us a little bit more about what does that, what does that look like? Like what do you, what do you do for people? What do you charge? What is that, that flat fee financial planning look like?
2: Right. So I'm very transparent. And that was something that I really wanted when I first launched this company, because to me, I wanted to make it more simple for myself as a business owner. We're doing so many things. And I just thought I need to be able to clearly articulate my fees and have it very streamlined and packaged in a way that also my clients would naturally gravitate toward and they would understand quite easily. So we offer an initial 6 month financial planning relationship individuals it's 2500 couples 3500 and business owners 5500 and then after they complete the first 6 months then we switch to an ongoing retainer model which is very similar to your most of the advisors in the XYPN network where they charge them you know they pay a monthly fee to retain us as advisors we have a you know a service that encompasses quarterly review meetings, ongoing service, you know, in terms of like budget updates, strategy updates, and access to us. So that is our like financial planning package. And then for any clients who've just gone through the first six months, we also just do hourly consultations. So sometimes they just need like a checkup or like a few hours of our time, maybe not the complete ongoing service. So that's actually something we just launched a few months ago because a lot of clients were asking for it.
1: And really fast. So when they get through that initial six month planning relationship and they go into this ongoing retainer paid monthly like what what do you charge for that is that also a three tier fee like individuals couples business owners
2: oh yes sorry about that it is 150 200 and 300 to match the original numbers i told you okay yeah.
1: so yeah relative to i think a lot of advisors like those are those are good sized financial planning fees both both upfront and an ongoing basis right uh, 150 a month is is 1800 a year 200 a month is $2,400 a year. Like, that's a healthy fee for kind of ongoing renewal financial planning. So, can you talk a little bit about who you serve? Like, who do you work with that has the money to write those kinds of financial planning fees?
2: Yeah. So most of our financial planning clients are women and couples, usually in their mid-30s, like 30s to 40s. And the way I like to describe our ideal clients is that they're at the stage in their lives and career where they're making money. So they've had some traction. They have a little bit of a foundation and more established with what they're doing in terms of like career. And now they're looking at their financial life and thinking, oh, this is like the last part that I, you know, of my life that I need to like become an adult in. And I use that word adult because people actually tell us that they want to do adulting in their financial life. So, you know, for whatever reason, they've never really got a budget system in place or understood how their 401k or IRA account works. And they have that cash flow to support some sort of savings and investment plan. And that's where they reach out and say, okay, now I want to get serious about this. I've kind of gone through my early years and maybe not made the most <laughs> or best use of my money and now I want to. So it's like that prime spot. Usually 90% of our clients first time planning, first time working with financial planners. So it's like a great fit.
1: So I, I, I love that label that that they they want to start adulting Isn't with, it their, funny? with their yeah. finances. Yeah, yeah. I I love I love the the label and and kind of that 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 sort of framing. So so well, I guess so let me ask. So so what does that look like when you go through the the six month relationship then? Like are you are you doing what I guess we would call comprehensive financial plans? Is this more education-oriented? Are you doing lots of meetings or just kind of like one or two meetings? What What does that six-month process look like for the client?
2: Yeah, so right now what we do, and we've done this for a few years and it seems to be working well, we do three meetings in the first month, which is very standard, like in a financial planning model, I would say, where We do the first call for free, and then if we decide to work together, then we have a data meeting, which is where we collect the financial data and talk about their goals and really help them define what those goals are. Then we come back for a strategy meeting, which is where we present the financial strategy and the budget and educate them on The options and recommendations. So, by the third meeting, which is the implementation meeting, we're ready to take action. And that could mean opening up a bank account, an investment account, maybe rolling over accounts, getting them connected to an insurance broker to get a life insurance policy in place. So, those three meetings we typically have within a month period just to get the plan up and running. And then from there, we have a three month review and a six month review meeting. And obviously, those are to do that review their progress, talk about changes. And it, it like, f- that model seems to work well for the clients we're serving. So, I, I, you know, we're always looking to refine and improve. But at this point, that's what works for our people.
1: So, effectively, you end up spending five meetings worth of time Correct. data strategy, implementation, three month review, six month review. And those are. Yes. All kind of like an an hour to a piece kind of meetings?
2: They're an hour. So usually, I mean, like how I kind of break it down is, yeah, five hours of meeting time. Uh, you know, like I've been a financial planner for 12 years now. So a few hours of building a plan and budget, if that then like access to me. And usually that takes, you know, like a call here or there, answering emails, you know, another few hours. So I like to for like an individual person, you know, it's how I kind of like quantify it in terms of hours. It's like about 10 hours or less of my time for that entire six months, which kind of works out for the hourly rate.
1: Right. So you're so you're kind of at a $250 an hour rate that moves up for clients yeah. with more more complexity and more stuff going on. And I'm going to presume like when you're in deep with a business owner, some of those meetings might stretch a little longer. The work in yeah. between gets a little longer just because there, there is a little more complexity and stuff to deal with.
2: Correct. Exactly.
1: So when you're working with folks in their 30s and 40s, like what kind of stuff are you, are you covering for them? Because, right? uh, you know, a lot of us – Kind of gravitated towards a baby boomer world, lots of discussions about retirement planning, and retirement projections, and, and liquidation strategies and, and investment management discussions. You're not even managing investments. A lot of your clients are 20 or 30 years out from retirement. So when you talk about this five meeting process, or even just like doing planning for them, what does planning mean to you or, or mean to your clients?
0: Hmm.
2: So we set up a budget, and I have a custom budget tool that I've designed, and so clients get set up using that. Because most of our clients, to be honest, they're very smart and savvy individuals, but they are like very basic when it comes to the financial knowledge, and that's where a lot of it. It's I think that's where the huge opportunity is because, you know, most people think oh, you know, I'm going to go after all the baby boomers. But 90% of people still don't have a budget. They don't understand how to track their cash flow, regardless of how much money they're making. So we teach them about budgeting. I even teach them about just like, if they need to make more money or cut back in expenses or change their mindset with money, and they're like super stressed out all the time. Like how, you know, I try to help them with like other tools.
1: And and I'm curious how how often... I know at least from my own experience, one of the biggest blocking points in trying to have conversations with clients around budgeting and, and household cash flow is they have no clue where their money actually goes. I mean, I still know a lot of planners that you know their, their approach to budgeting is basically I take your income, which I know, I subtract the taxes that I know, I subtract the savings that I can see, and I assume you spend the rest because – it's a closed system, and and they don't even get into the details of where that cash flow is going because if you ask clients, they don't know, and if you ask them to find out, then a lot of them just kind of stonewall and 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 put up the wall and don't do it, or they don't want to deal with it because they know you're going to give them bad news. So, like, are are those just not challenges for your clients? Because by the time they seek you out, they know they're going to have to be doing this, and if you want to be adulting with your finances, you have to figure out where your money's going. <laughs> Uh, like is, is there kind of a self-selection process or yeah. are there things that you figured out about how to actually have these kinds of cash flow conversations with people and not have them say, well, I just, I, I don't, I don't know where all the money goes. I don't, I don't track this stuff. That's, that's why I'm paying you, right? You're, you're going to tell me where my money goes.
2: Yeah, exactly. Well, I think that's part of our service. I, I mean, I'm very clear from the get-go, look like, do you have a budget? Most people say no. And then I say, okay, great. Well, one of the things we're going to do is we're going gonna to make a list. We have a list of all the expense categories and you have to give me what you average spend in these categories because that's what we're going to embed into the budget. And then from there, you're going to start tracking so that we confirm these numbers are the reality because we're going to set up savings goals based on that situation. And it's going to give us so much data. But I will tell you, I feel like my budgeting conversations are the biggest value the clients receive. I mean, of course, I help them get their cash account set up, investment account set up, and like all of that. But I think the day-to-day finances is so often overlooked. But that's where people struggle with the most. And actually, that's where they're going to get a lot of value if you spend time either helping them get the right system in place or teaching them. Because it's just one of those things. Most people just don't do it. And even if they have a budget, they're not looking at it. You know, it's like it's the whole point.
1: Yeah. And and I, I mean, I think it's a particularly a thing when you're working with folks that are still in their 30s and 40s, where you know careers are still growing, income is still growing. It's probably been growing pretty well for the you know the five or ten years leading up to that point, because that's that's kind of the big growth income years of your career. You know, by the time we see a lot of clients in their fifties and closing in on retirement, like for better or worse, they've figured out some kind of system about how to manage their household cash flow. And and the people that we tend to see as advisors came up with something that's decently good because that's what let them save to accumulate the dollars to hire a planner to help them with their investment portfolio and the rest. So I I feel like we. We – a lot of us end out with sort of a subset of clients that they figured out how to be at least reasonably responsible with their cash flow because that's what let them get the wealth to come and hire us. You interact with them a little bit earlier where I, it, just, it makes sense to me that, that oh, here's actually reasonable systems to set up your cash flow and your budgeting in your household. It's like, oh, no one's ever told us that before. Like, this is amazing and that they get really excited about
0: that.
2: Totally. Honestly, they get so excited about it. <laughs> I love it. So I really do.
1: Are, are there particular I don't know, like uh, systems that you like to use or, or tracking tools that you like to use? Like, uh, or is this just sort of uh, Brittany's school of hard knocks is what I figured out how, how it works to manage your household cash flow, having seen lots of clients? Uh,
2: yeah. I mean, like, we've what, developed what you- our own system. So it's our own tracking tool. It's half manual, half automated. And that's basically Brittany's britney's uh <laughs> philosophy after being a financial planner for so long like i think it's like
1: something I, you created in yeah. like a spreadsheet yeah or, it's or a
2: spreadsheet it's actually a google doc spreadsheet so it updates in real time for the clients and then we both have access to it so in the review meetings i'll usually like check in on it oh, okay. and we talk about it yeah it's great i mean i just found it's pretty simple it's not overly complicated but it my clients seriously love this thing i you know I think as a woman too to keep it like i I don't know I probably men and women but women in particular keep it simple like we don't you know they don't really care about all these like extra th- tabs and formulas and you know like just freaking keep it simple and you know it works
1: so what else uh, uh so clearly a lot around Budging cash flow household finance do you even mentioned setting up cash accounts so I guess for some people like are are you a fan of you know couples you need a uh, you know his hers and joint kind of structure and you're setting up those sorts of accounts or or what are you doing on the banking end
2: yeah definitely that help them set up high yield savings accounts so it really depends I mean if they have it already if not help and- them do that mm-hmm
1: and and what else? You 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 mentioned maybe if they don't have some insurance, you're going to send them out for some for some life insurance. What what else kind of comes up was or as or part of this planning process when you're when you're working with uh, women in their 30s and 40s.
2: So yeah, like the budget is huge, the cash accounts is huge, getting them the right insurance policies, and then the investments. So getting them set up, you know, like either on a robo-advisor platform or vanguard or something of that nature i mean sometimes they have accounts that are just fine other times most of the time they're not so i present uh better solutions and help them actually get all of that implemented
1: and do they actually like do you create a plan i guess as as at least as other advisors, as as we usually think about, right? Like the plan, capital T, capital P, it's a, you know, 20 to 40 page document with lots of output from planning software and some things that you add to it. Like, are are you producing a plan in that style? Or is most of your focus just kind of these modular areas and you're writing just, here's a list of recommendations based on my expertise about what you need to do, but but – not all the rest of the thickness of the plan.
2: Yeah, it's definitely the latter. I mean, of course, our financial planning software can produce a 50 page or more plan. But I do financial strategies, which are more or less the Cliff Notes version, (laughs) Um, two to three pages of each category. Net worth, here's what you need to know. Cash flow, here's what you need to know. And it's very simple and straightforward. And that's actually what we talk about. And I think it it works too for the client.
1: So so you may actually still out with end out with like I don't know a dozen or fifteen pages if there's sort of two to three pages for each of multiple different areas and you stack them together.
2: Oh no 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 it's total.
1: Oh, oh to- total okay yeah yeah,
2: yeah. honestly it's okay. like a paragraph per section.
1: Okay, and you don't get pushback from clients of a like I paid you thirty five hundred dollars where's the rest of the where are the rest of the pages.
2: No, because I don't sell a financial plan. I sell my expertise and service. So, I mean, if you look like we're very, our whole marketing is geared and very niche and those types of clients who maybe want, see, that's the thing. Like our clients don't even want that. Like that's what they're running from. (laughs) And um, like, I'll tell you they come to me for me, not for the freaking plan. And, you know, every now and then uh, there's a conversation around that. But I say, yeah, I mean, I could give you a plan. But what's the point? It's just going to sit on your shelf. You're not going to look at it. It's going to overwhelm you. So let's simplify it so we actually do what we need to do and get the results you want. And, I, you know, I think when you promote results and benefits and service, the planning the actual plan as a tangible product never even comes into factor.
1: So at the point you're you're talking so much about cash flow and and budgeting and bank accounts, and the plan that you deliver is is a couple of pages of written material. Like, do you even use traditional financial planning
2: software at this point? I use Advisor, so I don't know if that's traditional. Advisor,
1: so A-D-V-I-Z-R. A- A- yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And and what led you to Advisor versus uh you know all the others out there, uh, uh, Money Guide Pro, any Money Advisor?
2: And <laughs> it was simple and it's free because I'm an XYPN member. <laughs>
1: okay, well, that works. That works. Uh, uh, and I, and I'm just curious. I mean, do you? Yeah. Are you using Plan? I, I mean, just when you talk about the things that you're covering with people in in a plan. Are you actually using financial planning software that much at this point?
2: Yeah, we use it. I mean, I, I, I build the strategy from advisor, but a lot of it is like also I can look at the situation, build a plan. I mean, I do use it for the retirement calculations because those are clearly a little bit more detailed than just a simple calculation. But actually, and we use Advisor, too, for uh, clients like it because they, they put their, like, uh, accounts and, l- and use the document vault and upload all their documents. So that's all part of the data meeting process as we send them a link to get their account set up so everything's secured in there. And then I don't have to keep asking them and just say, like, go and upload it in the vault. So it's nice for that purpose, too.
1: So that's that's kind of the the upfront planning software. So can you tell us a little bit about the ongoing piece? So, well, I guess I'm even just curious. Uh, When people go through this $2,500 to $5,500 plan and it it ends and then you switch to an ongoing uh, retainer for ongoing planning, how many – like do most of your clients just naturally say like, well, I've been working with you for the past six months, of course, we're going to keep going? Or do most of them come and say – Hey, thanks for the stuff. Now I feel like a financial adult. You know, peace out. Drop mic and leave, and 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 that's that. And they're not into the monthly ongoing. Like, what do you find is is sort of the conversion from one to the other?
2: Yeah, it's a good question. Actually, that's one of our main focus over the past three months too. The way I see a business is like there's always an area you have to love on. And depending on the season, like Uh you're going to love on that area more than others. So, right last quarter, I realized, oh, there's this huge opportunity for me to get more ongoing clients. I just really haven't put a lot of energy into it. And I noticed our conversion rate of like people who complete the six months to staying on as an ongoing client was relatively low. I would say like maybe 30%. So, over the past quarter, and just put in some energy into that area. And now it's like no brainer. People are, yes, I'm going to do it. So I would say we've now are like 60, 70%.
1: And what do you do for them for that ongoing monthly fee? Like are you are you doing stuff for them every month because they pay every month? What, is, what does that look like for an ongoing service model?
2: Um, so we do quarterly review meetings Some clients want monthly, so that is an option, like a shorter monthly versus a quarterly. And then they have ongoing access to me. So it's just a matter of like, sometimes clients like just want me there to email or call as they work on their. Finances, and that's actually a very popular service model, so it's not that hard to sell, I guess, because most people are used to paying a monthly subscription these days to whatever you know, we like like, live uh, in the Uber economy, everyone's like ordering and like paying for online things, so. You kind of pitch it like, yeah, you need me. And I'm going to be here to answer all those questions instead of you struggling or letting it bother you for a week. Like you just email me and I'll be right there to answer or help guide you. And we'll have these regular, more formal review meetings to make sure you stay motivated and always know what you're working on financially speaking.
1: And what are you even covering in the quarterly reviews? I know for a lot of us, again, I could just kind of view our, our industry bias. Most of us kind of build around portfolios and AUM models. So like I know what a quarterly review is. We come with a quarterly statement and and we talk about what's going on in the portfolio and then we cover other financial planning stuff and it's some blend of the two. You're not managing dollars. I don't, I don't even know how many clients' investments is a discussion on an ongoing basis. So I mean, what are quarterly reviews for you? Like what are you talking about four times a year?
2: There's always something to talk about. Budget, goals, you know, investment accounts. Sometimes like, oh, now we have this expense that came in. How are you going to work it through? Or my income changed. Or now I got the bonus. Now what do we do? Or taxes are coming up. How should I prepare? I mean, there's literally, you can talk about anything all day long. There's always something. But it's really personal to whatever that client's plan is. So that's where I bring a lot of service because I'll say, oh, Michael, you know, last time we met, you did X, Y, Z. Let's check in on that. And then you'll say, great. Well, over the quarter, all of these things changed. And then I'll say, perfect. Okay, let's address those changes. And then now your focus for the next three months should be X, Y, Z. So it's kind of like I give people homework. And they love that because they know what they're focusing on. And then it's not so overwhelming as well
1: interesting and and like how long do these take is this you know t- 2 hour quarterly view- reviews times all of your clients and some of them even do that monthly or are they are they shorter than that like what what do meetings look like for you
2: yeah 1 hour i really don't do anything over an hour i think that's too long people do not have an attention span for finances
0: <laughs> and, and <are> they
2: <laughs> longer than an
1: hour to, your to do that for for an hour cuz I, I mean i know you're in you're in the LA area. So like an hour meeting can be more than an hour to get to and from the, the meeting even with 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 traffic in your area. So I, uh, like are they coming in or is that not necessarily all in person? Some of this is, is telephone or video or other things. Like how, how do you do those meetings?
2: Yeah, most of the times the ongoing – All the review meetings are usually calls because I've already built the rapport with the client. Like I try to do the first three meetings when people become a client in person, or if they don't live in LA via Skype, just so we see each other. But then after that, really a call is fine, and people are used to that nowadays too. Everything is like technology based. So,
1: all right, and and so what does this uh, add up to you for at at this point? Like how many how many clients are you working with? I guess. I don't even know how you break them up. Do you look at like people we work with in a year that do a standalone plan and then the client, the number of clients you've got that are on ongoing retainer and your revenue is a blend of the two? Like how do you count clients in this in this blend that some are standalone and then some are ongoing?
2: Yeah, I mean I feel like we're going to have to sort through that more, especially this year because I think, you know, literally uh, we're putting a lot more focus into it because our whole business foundation has been built now. And now like I'm, when I started this year, I was thinking, okay, how do I really scale this and double down on everything I've created? Right. Cause some, it takes a few years just to get created. So currently we just have like an overall revenue goal for financial planning. And, you know, obviously some, most of that comes from the initial six month payment. But like I said, what we're, what I'm trying to do is get more of that recurring ongoing amount up so that also that helps with just as a business monthly cash flow.
1: And are you willing to share like, what is that revenue goal? What are you, what are you aiming for? How many you know, uh, of these standalone plans are you trying to do in a year?
2: Yeah. I mean, on average, I would say I, I from like day one, like 30 to 40 is my average plans per year. So...
1: It's a lot of planning fees. You know, yeah.
2: That's, 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 that's yeah. six okay. of planning fees. It's, yeah. Six figures for sure. So we usually get about six figures, like just at six figures, like in our planning fees. And that's, That's actually the goal this year. I'm not. I wasn't crazy on growing that side of it. Um, I'm actually more focused on growing the online products this year. But yeah, my the revenue goal entirely for all my models is three hundred thousand this year. So it's pretty do. I I mean we're on track for it because we were. We did like some over two hundred last year. So again, the growth that I'm focused on for 2017 is actually not within the planning so much. Although now I'm like kind of reconsidering that, (laughs) because I could. I'm like, oh, maybe I could even beat my goal. But we're we're the growth for that would be coming from our products that we're developing.
1: All right, and I don't want to come to more depth on those in a moment, but uh, you know, I I feel like I have to ask the. the one other question that that's probably lingering out there for at least a few folks that are that are listening of you know you're like you're giving people guidance on insurance and then they're going and buying a product from someone else who gets paid some commission cuz you can't really avoid the commissions for most insurance uh you're steering them to an investment account cuz they're you are saying that are robo advisors or whatever why not get Paid on the insurance or get paid on the investments. Why not do AUM or some blended model as opposed to, to just making it upfront planning fees, ongoing planning fees.
2: It's a good question. I've done it. I it's, um, I actually didn't. I implemented <laughs> management fees through a robo advisor called. Betterment and I really loved Betterment. I still love Betterment. I actually love robo advisors in general and I recommend my clients use them. For me, what I found was my business was taking off in other areas, brand partnerships and online products that to have that component of investment management on top. Yeah, it, it was getting hard. Like it was just adding more complexity in terms of, okay, well, if clients pay the fee, then they wouldn't have to, like if they pay an investment fee, then they wouldn't have the ongoing retainer fee because I'm getting fees from their other side. I mean, it was, it was almost like making my life too hard. <laughs> and as a business owner, I think the hardest thing is to focus and focus on what yeah. is really working well. And as much as, Betterment was really easy. I think for me, I just felt cleaner with the fact that, okay, I'm either going to say I'm a full investment manager and take all my fees from Betterment or say I'm a full financial planner and take all my fees from fee-only planning and call it a day. But to try to do both, it was causing more headache than I particularly wanted earlier in the year. So I decided to stop doing that service altogether.
1: Well, and I guess you know when you've got it structured down to uh, the way that you do, your your you know your your planning process is a series of five meetings with some of the behind the scenes work you do in between. said so it's, it's taking you about ten hours. It's a plan that starts at twenty five hundred dollars, so you know you're 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 getting two hundred and fifty dollars an hour, give or take a little for for planning fees, which is a pretty pretty darn good hourly rate when you convert it into hourly, and you're getting. 30 or 40 clients through it. So I I I I kind of get it of like, you know, hey, I'm I'm already clearing north of a hundred thousand dollars of planning fees, just getting paid for my time. Like it's working pretty well. And uh just on planning fees. And I guess o- over time, I would presume the projections is as, as projection over time is as as the monthly retainer clients grow, that recurring revenue base grows anyways. It just grows with retainer fees instead of AUM fees.
2: Definitely. Yeah. And you know, the cool part about it, I am one of these people, I can change my mind at any time. (laughs) So (laughs) I can decide to add that baby back in. Maybe I bring on like what I'm doing right now is I'm bringing on an associate financial advisor just to help me with the planning side. So maybe, you know, six months from now and I'm done focusing on the other sides of my business. I come back and I say, you know what, I'm actually ready to relaunch that side and I'm going to bring on somebody in the company to help me do it because, you know, that's part of it. We, I, like my time, ta- you know, time uh, is also very important and I have to look at what's bringing me the most value for my time and go accordingly.
1: So where do you find 30 or 40 new clients every year that are willing to pay a couple thousand dollars in financial planning fees? Uh, How do you how do you bring those kinds of clients in?
2: Honestly, our website we get. So I mean, it's the inbound marketing that I created with all my branding and social media. We do get referrals. Don't get me wrong, and I still do networking because I you know have a few groups and people that I like to connect with, and you know I get business that way. But I would say majority of our clients find us through Google. And and it's not just that. What are they
1: Googling that? They're Googling Googling financial planner in
2: LA, like woman financial planner. But honestly, Michael, it's the hard work. I put in years of creating content. My content is everywhere. I have a lot of social media. So people organically will see my stuff on Entrepreneur or you know, whatever, whatever I'm doing, my blog, this, that, and they come through that. But also, if they are searching straight from Google, they'll usually just search like woman financial planner in LA. But Mm -hmm. most of the time, it's from something they've heard me on or seen me on or read something by me, you know, that really brings in the leads.
1: And so are you just a a natural... A writer that it's it's comfortable to do that kind of content marketing writing stuff, and getting it into magazines
2: uh, <laughs> I'm not a natural writer for sure. I've learned it, and I wouldn't even say I'm good at it. it there's a funny story I mean we recently <laughs> have been changing our whole marketing and making it a lot more real and fun and pushing the boundaries even more with our content and we happen to like misspell a word <laughs> in the one of it was supposed to be emotional shift and the word came out like emanation shift and my marketing director was like what does this word mean and the email had already gone out and i was like i don't know i thought that was like (laughs) a cool word that you use for like (laughs) like you're doing
1: like a shakespeare thing and and then everybody figures out what it is in context
2: yeah and she goes no brit that was a typo, and I go well. You're you're telling me like I know this stuff. I'm the worst at grammar. I'm the worst at like I don't know. <laughs> and we were laughing because the funny part is people actually answer that question like nothing. <laughs> like,
0: yeah, they just they with it.
2: They, yeah. You know, so I'm definitely not like. I mean, I've learned to write. I do oversee all our content and the direction of it, but I have a. Copywriter who writes the emails every week now, which is amazing. She's fabulous at it, way better than I could ever be, and it helps us bring the whole marketing strategy to a whole, you know, a new level. It's all about like once you build it, constantly improving it and making it better and refining it and getting people to take action. Ultimately,
1: well, and I think it's fascinating, even just that that point. Like you've 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 got a copywriter that helps you write your weekly emails. Uh, I would guesstimate most advisors, to the extent they produce any kind of content for their clients, it's a newsletter once a quarter.
2: Yeah, that's not going to work. I mean, if you want... See, that's the thing. I mean, you have to just be clear about what your goals are. If your goal is just to stay in touch with your existing clients and not grow whatsoever, then I guess quarterly would work. But even that, I would feel like your clients still would love to see an email from you at least monthly, just with like an update or some sort of educational piece. You know, people actually would like to see what your firm's up to. So even if it's nothing related to helping them with their finances, just to get updated in terms of what you're doing with your business is always exciting. I mean, that's just the world we live in.
1: They're in a relationship with you, right? Totally. So they,
2: They're
1: the they financial planner.
2: Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, my dentist sends me, oh my God, emails. You know what I mean? Like so, yeah. You well, and do I know it. A,
1: I know a lot of advisors that have that have had this experience where you know they they produce a quarterly newsletter or something for their clients and and they you know, add a section in that's just like, Hey, here's an update of the firm. And it's like, uh, you know, one of our employees took a trip to Rome and like, here's a picture of her on her trip to Rome. And, and, uh, one of our advisors, uh, you know, their, their kids just made the all stars in Little League and, and whatever is. And, and so they like, they put all their energy into this great like financial planning or investment analysis commentary, and then they throw this paragraph on at the end of the newsletter, and then they find out like 90% of the responses they get from their clients is about the paragraph at the end about them. And nobody actually read all the all the investment stuff and the financial planning stuff they wrote.
2: Yep. Like,
1: they just want to connect with the advisor and the firm, not actually all the technical stuff that sometimes we send out.
2: Yeah. It's so, so what, true.
1: What else have you found that works from the like the website and the digital marketing and the and the social media and like I, I see you out there all over the place. I know, uh, uh, you know a bunch of the publications have recognized you for being a highly social financial advisor. It's like as, as someone that's done this, I'm sure you've had your share of, of finding what works and finding what, what doesn't work. So what works for you or what doesn't work for you down to actually driving results like getting people who will pay money for a plan?
2: Yeah. And I'm just trying to keep up with you, Michael, on all these awards and <laughs> social media. So, currently, what works, our model is working. We've built the marketing machine. And what that is, is we're posting all the time on social media, Facebook, Twitter. I have a YouTube video that converts into a blog and email that goes out once a week just to build content and, or I'm sorry, build engagement. And, with our community. I do a lot of podcasts, calls, workshops, you know, videos with partners I feel like have the same clientele I'm going after so clearly, women in their thirties and forties.
1: So that's so that's still like, I mean, would you characterize this as as a niche? This is your niche, women in their thirties mm-hmm. and forties or, or yeah. even defined for like professional women in their thirties and forties or or
2: not yeah, I mean, we usually say professional, but most of them are. I mean, <laughs> at this well, point, if, if, yeah.
1: If you're not probably not in some kind of professional services job, you you may find three to five thousand dollar planning fees in your 30s or 40s to be be expensive, unless you're you're making a decent income in a professional services job. Because they they kind yeah. of self- themselves at some point.
2: Exactly. And that was actually one reason why we created the money class, which is a lower price point. And I'm continuing to create more products is because if those people come to us, which they still do come to us, and they're not ready to pay for the fee, we have other options for them to get started with our brand, our messaging, my style. And then when, you know, maybe they take like an online course from me or read my book or whatever, then they'll come back for the planning once they're ready for the more in-depth you know, relationships. So it's just building out the services to fit what my ideal clients want and need. And a lot of it has just been experience and listening to what they need and what they want, and just you know, testing the waters and and you just kind of figure it out. And like I'm just a big believer with Mar. I love marketing. That's why you'll see I spend a lot of time marketing because I can be the best financial planner out there. But if I don't have any clients, like well, who cares? And At the end of the day, it's a business, so I got to make money. You know, (laughs) like, so I've just learned, you know, always be marketing. Like, I don't stop. I never stop marketing, even when I take a break from social media and I don't do as many like Instagram stories. We still have all these other things happening.
1: And so, is it is it expensive to get all of this help with social media and and writing weekly emails and all the rest? Like, do you have a just a a larger marketing budget than most other advisors to be doing all this stuff.
2: I don't know. Well, the thing is, I've I'm also different. Like, I don't have overhead. Like, I don't have a full time office space. So, I have a WeWork office space that I book for mm, so
1: co working space.
2: Exactly. So, you know, it's a lower monthly fee because I only book it when I'm seeing clients. So, I don't have it full time. I work from home. I don't have any employees. All the people that work for my team are like independent contractors, meaning they have other clients that they are serving or other jobs that they do. And that actually has served me and my model very well. I did have employees in the beginning and it didn't work because I realized I didn't need like a full-time person to do one job. I need multiple people to do very specific jobs. So why like pay them beyond that specialty? So I have Someone who literally just does social media. Someone who literally just writes my emails. Someone who literally just takes you know calls with clients, and it's very segmented.
1: And so these are all like ten dollar, fifteen dollar, twenty dollar an hour kinds of folks, or or thirty or forty or fifty dollars an hour. Like what is what does it cost to get you know uh, someone to write your emails and someone to do your social media and all the rest?
2: It's. Yeah, I mean it's different for everybody. Okay, so I pay, I pay people by retainers, so monthly. Yeah, and it's like usually like
1: retainers. So you pay them on retainers, kind of makes sense.
2: Yeah. Well, God, you know, it's like simplicity. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the more simplified I can make this business, the more I enjoy my life. So. Like usually, you know, anywhere from like five hundred a month to two thousand a month. So it's kind of like if I added them all up, it's one full-time person. I've just okay. divided it like three yes, or I four know. ways. So, mm-hmm. And
1: how do you how do you find them? Is this all networking through colleagues, or like you find them online and you know Google copywriter for monthly advisor new or weekly advisor newsletter? Like how how do you how do you track down? all these different piecemeal people to do all the different things?
2: Yeah, definitely just asking around. You know what I'll say, though, is the genius thing that I do in all areas of my life. I create an ideal avatar. So when I first said, oh, I want a social... I, okay, I'll tell you an example. Earlier in the year, I said, I'm going to divide out. So no longer am I going to have my one person do social media and email marketing because I realized they're too completely different skill sets. And it's very difficult for one person to do both. So what I did is I said, like I did everything else, I wrote out the ideal person for the social media role and the ideal person for the marketing role. And then kind of how the universe works used, you, st- you know, you ask around, say, I'm looking for this, you get introduced to people, you talk to them. And then after two or three, one, one is the perfect fit. And the way that I always, you know, I always look for experience. I look for somebody who's attached to my mission, which is like, they have to be interested in women and money and wanting to help empower women. But ultimately, I look for energy and personality, like, because I also think I can get them what they need if they need to learn more skills. But it's all about that. Like, you can have, you know what I mean? It's all I want only peep dream team, like I have my dream team now, but I've worked hard to get that and you know i've gone through people that didn't work out and you got to fire them or say it's no longer a good fit we've outgrown each other but now i really it's pretty cool i mean i really have the dream team like my best friend actually is the marketing girl who writes my emails so like it doesn't get any better than that
1: yeah and we had uh caleb brown from new planner recruiting on on the podcast recently for episode 31 so uh, uh com slash 31 if anyone wants to go back and listen. And uh, you know, around hiring process, they do all hiring for associate planners and paraplanners and firms. And, and Caleb kind of made the same comment that at the end of the day, the primary thing they actually screen for is 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 attitude, you know, the effort, passion, like uh you know, one of the biggest things that he uses to evaluate candidates in the process is actually with how much focus and fervor and effort they pursue the recruiting and job application process. Because if, you know, if they can't even take applying for the job seriously, how seriously do you think they're going to take the job itself? Whereas, you know, a lot of the skills stuff, like if you get someone who's passionate about the business and what you do and is excited about the the mission you're pursuing, you can teach a lot of the skills as long as they got a decent head on their shoulders, but you 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 can't teach energy and enthusiasm.
2: Totally, I love Caleb, and it's spot on. And I think it's just also too. At the end of the day, who do you want to be working with? Like you don't want to, yeah, you know, spend a lot of time with them. Yeah, you, like you got to email these people. You got to talk to them. Like pick someone you enjoy. There's people out there. You'll have to weed through a few to find them, but you'll find it.
1: So let's shift a little and talk about your online products. You've you've mentioned this. A couple of times as being a a large and growing piece of your revenue, and and I think you got to break this down pretty simply for us. I I think for somewhere around ninety nine point eight percent of advisors, like we have no idea what you're talking about when you say online products. Like I I know insurance and investments and getting paid for planning. Like Mm -hmm. when you say online products, what are we talking Mm -hmm. about here?
2: Yeah. So. Basically, it's a course, like I just like to say, like Rosetta Stone, right? Teaches language. Same thing. All I did was make it for money and specifically for women in my ideal segment, which is those women in the 30s and 40s, to teach them money management in a format beyond just reading a book or a blog. So it's webinar-based. They buy this course. They have online access to this, obviously, members-only website. They get the curriculum. They get the worksheets. I mean, it's a whole built out curriculum, but that works because a lot of people just want something that is more elaborate like that, but maybe, you know, they're, they're do it themselves, you do it yourself first. So they'll, they're fine taking a course to learn more and applying the principles directly to their own financial life. And it's at a price point that's lower than just working with me one-on-one. And as a business owner, that's a way to scale our knowledge, to teach people what we know, and use the internet <laughs> to reach, you know, the potentially seven billion other or maybe eight billion other people in the world. There's just huge opportunity. That's kind of how most of people are going these days.
1: So how how long is the course, or like mm-hmm. what what do you what do you get exactly when you buy this? I mean, I kind of get it. Like we're going to teach you about money management, but like mm-hmm. I I sit in front of a webinar for an hour, or I sit in front of like two webinars that are 30 minutes each or i have like eight hours of webinars i mean what what do i what do i get inside the the money class
0: Mm -hmm.
2: so basically it's a six-week course they get three webinars that are about 30 minutes or less per week and they have lifetime access to it so actually if you just go to fwwmoneyclass.com you can see everything that's included in this course okay um it's very detailed moneyclass.com. dot com, F W W moneyclass.com. Okay. And,
1: and we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you go to kitsis.com slash thirty two for episode thirty two, we'll have uh, links out to both to Brittany's Financially Wise Women uh, website and then also her Money Class, so you can you can take a look at this.
0: Mm-hmm. So and I, as- I, mm-hmm.
1: so I like as the buyer, I get a couple webinars a week that are thirty minutes or less. So you're kind of I guess you're you're incrementally teaching me money management skills and i go through 6 weeks and i've cumulatively gotten like i guess by then like 8 or 9 hours worth of uh of of cumulative content that's taught me about money management
2: yes exactly i love the way your brain thinks got to break it down <laughs> in hours <laughs> <break> it down. <laughs> yeah
0: yeah I, yeah uh,
1: i time is money right I we, know. Uh, we were just talking about it Yeah. so what does someone pay for this? Like, what do you what do you charge? What will people buy?
2: Mm-hmm. So this is what we're spending a lot of time on this year, like I mentioned, because there's a whole online strategy that once you learn and get the formula right, it'll work for you and your industry. We charge 497 for this online course, and meaning
1: 497 dollars. Correct, and that okay. that works. That's, people buy that's it. Not, that's not cheap.
2: Yeah. No four hundred
1: and ninety seven dollars for a course like that mm-hmm. I mean that's it's a good sized chunk of money.
2: Yeah, so I think the reason is one, I don't want to devalue my expertise and my work, but also I want to make sure people are committed. and but we are creating so like, for example, I'm creating a product for one ninety seven. And then like even a $97 product. So we'll have levels. So then people could choose the level or like add on, you know, maybe they get the first course for this match and then they take the, you know, the more advanced courses.
1: Uh, so what what's in the, like, what are you envisioning is in the 197 course? Is this just, hey, it's, you know, you can get all six weeks for $497 or just uh, two weeks for $197 and, and we'll just give you the first two weeks modules.
2: Oh, is, cool. That kind of I like down, the way or, you or, think. Uh, no, it's a whole nother product. It's going to be all okay. about investing for women. So tune back in the fall 2017 when this is released <laughs> and oh you'll my. see more of the specifics. We are literally in creation mode, so I can tell you it, but I'd prefer when it's done because okay. That's okay. it's subject well, uh, to change. You know what I mean? We change understood. our minds it's, a million times before something comes to, pr- to come to the market.
1: It's, it's still in the entrepreneurial creation. Yeah. Process. <laughs> I understand how that goes. So, so four hundred ninety-seven dollars for a course for this series of, of videos. So, I mean, how long did it take you to to put all of them together? I mean, a, obviously, recording eight or nine hours of video takes you at least eight or nine hours to make the video. But there's there's you got to figure out what you're going to say and 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 what you're going to deliver and 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 all the rest. I'm going to assume it takes. a takes way more than eight hours to make eight hours worth of video. So, Correct. I, I mean, how long did it take you to put all of this together?
2: Okay. So, I did it in 2014. I've actually taught workshops on this. So, when I originally did it, it took like a year just to research, you know, and learn. What am I going to do What's my like version of this course going to look like? So I actually bought other people's online courses, nothing to do with finance, but I studied, I like taught myself and then probably a good three months of my time just to build it. So once I knew the idea, you know, I blocked out, you know, time every week for three months to build it. And I would say probably, you know, like 40 to 50 hours total to Go through, start to finish, film it, build it, you know, get someone to build the website, build all the back end. And then it was like $3,000 total, I think, in the beginning.
1: That's it. Like, yeah. I mean, for like for making the website and yeah. all the back end, $3,000?
2: Yeah. I don't know how it was that cheap because then… <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just, that, seems,
1: that seems really inexpensive. I know, Michael. How come it's costing ra- me like,
2: so much now? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I,
1: yeah, well, that's a great thing, right? When you're um, entrepreneurial, you, you're always, you always cut it really lean the first time you make something because you got no money and revenue yet. And then um, when you go back and you have some success, and you make the next one. Then you got the, the better people. It's exponentially more expensive because yeah. now you hire more expensive people. And yeah.
2: I'm like, wait, customers. something's wrong here. Yeah. So, I mean, look, we've sold... Let me, let me, I was just doing this earlier. We've sold probably over the course of three years, so 14, 15, 16. Well, it's almost four years old, like three and a half years old. 200. So it's about 100 grand, I would say, in revenue total. So what I'm trying to do. (laughs) For
1: for something that you, you made once at 40 or 50 hours, like big, big Mm. time investment up front, obviously, but. Mm-hmm. You know, you start doing the math and like, yeah, so 50, 50 hours in up front and then make a hundred grand. Like you made you you made uh, you made $2,000 an hour for the time it took you to make the course. Like that's a, it's a pretty good ROI for the time of making that course.
2: Yeah. But you know what? I take that back because I also did spend more money in the second, no, last year, third year to relaunch it.
0: So maybe uh, like
2: 10,000, like, no, wait, like 5,000 last year. So yeah, maybe under ten thousand to make it, but still good ROI. Okay? Yeah, yeah. So, so then, clear. clear now you know why my focus is over there because right. clearly very, very
1: scalable for your yeah, time. Yeah,
2: and clearly people buy it, bought it. So there, the formula. Like now, it's we've I've studied even more. See, I've all you know, I'm always studying. How do I make this thing better? How do I sell it? Tried things. I've failed many times of like marketing efforts. Oh, we'll do it this way or that way, and it didn't work. So. You know, my goal is to get like 100 people buying it in any given year. And then now that I know how to do it, I want to create something that's a lower price point. So like I said, you know, if I build something that's $97 but get a 1,000 people to buy that, you know, and now it won't probably take me as long because I've already gone through that initial learning curve of fumbling and messing up for three years. Yeah.
1: And how do people... I mean, like, how do you how do you market it and get the word out for people to to buy it is just kind of this reality because you're doing so much marketing for the the core business that there's some subset of people that go to your website, hey, I heard about Britney, she's really cool. Oh my god, she costs thirty five hundred dollars for the two of us. I can't afford that. Oh, she's got a four hundred and ninety-seven dollar course. Let's do that. And and like they just if they can't afford your planning fee, they off-ramp themselves over to your money class, or or do you market that and try to sell that entirely separately as, as its own thing?
2: Yeah, it's both. But I will tell you, we stopped really promoting. So when people come to us for financial planning, we really notice it's hard to convert them to want a course, even if they couldn't afford the planning. So that's why we started, we're thinking about other, maybe we just offer hourly consulting or something. So what we're it's a whole separate marketing strategy that we're building in the next few months to promote it strictly online, using different techniques than what we're doing to market the financial planning.
1: And does it go the other direction? Like, do you get people that do the course and then say, hey, I need even more help with this. Can I hire you to be my financial planner?
2: Yes, and that's work too. Not a lot, but a handful. So, you know, it's all the marketing funnel, if you know that word. (laughs) Yeah.
1: But I guess the core for you is not... This is lead gen for financial planning clients. The core is, I want to make a hundred thousand dollars on courses, comma and if a couple people end out up upselling into find a full financial plans as well, awesome. Then then uh, I'll, I'll deepen the relationship with
2: them. Exactly. Mm-hmm.
1: And is there some platform that you build? Like I know there's lots of courses platforms out there. I have to imagine you've tried a few, having having iterated on this a bit. So. Do you use some standard course platform out there or did you just make your own thing in a website? Like, what do you actually use to deliver the content?
0: Oh,
2: God. Just trying to remember. We have a specific website that we built for the course. Um, There is also specific members only platform. What is it called? Shoot, I should have remembered this. Wishlist, that's what it is. Oh,
1: yes. Wishlist, wishlist member. Uh-huh. Yes. Wishlist that's an extension members. Off of, uh, that's a plugin for WordPress.
2: Uh, WordPress. Yep. So it's on a WordPress, but the wishlist is something to do with monitoring the members only. And then that's all embedded into our e-commerce, which is through Infusionsoft.
1: Okay. E-commerce through Infusionsoft. Yeah. Infusionsoft user is. Oh, well we for,
2: love it. Yeah,
1: for the Nerds Eye mm-hmm. View platform. Although I, I have to admit, I... I uh, I feel like it's gotten a little bit dated. Like I, I don't regret that I built on Infusionsoft, but I have to admit, as I look out there today, I don't know if I was starting today if I would still build on Infusionsoft when there's there's like competitors like ConvertKit and others that have come along more recently. Oh, that, don't that tell just, me I can't. Oh, <laughs> uh, sorry. I like I just shine a, uh, a wave, a shiny object in front of an entrepreneur. Oh, just,
2: don't do it. No, I'm focused. I I'm focused. You're focused. Ooh. So.
1: So talk to us a little bit about the the third pillar. You mentioned speaking and, and corporate partnerships. So I get speaking and paid speaking. Well, I guess particularly for me because that, that's one of my pillars for for business as well. But like corporate partnerships is not usually the kind of thing you hear from financial advisors. So can you talk to us a little about this this third pillar and how you see it fitting in?
2: Yeah. So I guess, you know, brand partnerships, corporate partnerships. I started charging for speaking Well, actually, since day one, when I started the company, I was doing consulting for other firms. Like one was just this entrepreneur startup firm, and they wanted content, video content around finance. So I was more or less a consultant for them. Then I got hired by another financial firm to help them do what I did in terms of marketing. And then a few years ago... I really started to step up my speaking game and charge for speaking services. And then I started studying. See, I always start with a study. I see what's out there and I learn. I studied, started studying influencer marketing. And I realized there's a lot of brands these days who instead of like spending all their money on a commercial, they'll just go straight to an influencer, pay them to represent their brand to their people because their people are loyal and listen to what you know you have to say or I have to say. So I set myself up for that kind of service to come in and now I'm partnered with Chase as like I guess like a financial education ambassador is what it's called but I kind of see that as like a corporate partnership. Yeah, and there's a few other ones but that one's like the main one.
1: And and I mean how do they st- even structure that? Like you get paid certain dollars to do like up- appearances or, or just they pay you like X dollars a year, and you're just supposed to mention Chase a lot. Like, I mean, what is that? What does that kind of partnership actually look like? like yeah. What do, what do they pay for, and what do you actually have to do for them?
2: Yeah, I would say this is t- probably for less than five percent of the financial planning industry, <laughs> because not everybody wants this type of job or role. I did. I was very specific, so. It's, it's a and talent you, I mean, agreement. mean, you have to already
1: have an audience in order yeah. for it to be
2: relevant as oh, well? Oh, yeah. They're not going to hire you. They, they won't pay you if you don't have a name. But yeah, it's basically I'm talent for them. So it's almost more or less a talent agreement, which in LA is very common. So I think I just am around it all the time and I saw the opportunity for it. But basically, it's more or less like here's a contract for a year. Here's what you got to do. Here's what we're going to pay you.
1: And what kinds of things do they want you to do? I mean, is it just a bunch of chase name dropping or more structured about what you're what you're actually expected to do for them and accountable for
2: yeah i mean it's like uh speak at a few of the events post on social with their campaigns but it's all about financial literacy which is why the partnership worked i actually was approached by a handful of other brands that i said no to because it i would it wasn't in alignment with me or my advice or what i would normally do and i said no because i have i don't know i'm also like I have integrity. I have planning. I'm not just selling out. I really only want to work with people who speak the same language I do.
1: So, do you feel like there's any conflict or perceived conflict of you know, I'm 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 a fee only financial planner, but I'm also in a par- corporate partnership with a financial institution. Like, does that feel like a conflict or or just do you view them entirely separate and unrelated no,
2: channels? They're actually in two different business. Yeah, it's not at all. And I'm not necessarily representing any product. I just really teach about financial planning principles.
1: Because it's it's literacy oriented, not Chase product oriented. Correct. Okay. What do you try to add this pillar up? Like is it is it meant to be Roughly, even with the others, like, are you trying to also generate $100,000 to speaking in corporate partnerships in revenue for this?
2: Actually more, because it's more lucrative than that. Yeah, we'll so see. On, on I mean, this year, page. I've already hit the goal. So I don't know. That's why <laughs> it's it's really an interesting time. It's a great time. I'm, I am I kind of came up to a few months ago and realized, oh, I, I better I better think hard about expanding, because... I can do it now based on what I've done. And I was kind of, I I basically built the model to get to where I am now, but now I'm like way more open to growing it. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, oh, there's more opportunity than I even knew about.
1: So how do you characterize your business model at this point? Like, you've kind of got these three pieces. There's Brittany Castro, the advisor, you charge planning fees and ongoing fees for for financial planning advice. There's this uh, with you know hundred thousand plus dollars of revenue there's this online products component of the money class that you're trying to build up to do a hundred thousand dollars of revenue in a the year then you've got speaking in corporate partnerships where you're already doing more than a hundred thousand dollars in a year like do you think of yourself as financial advisor spanning all of these and years are just different ways you do financial advising or or do you like view your business model as something different where financial advising is just one of the things you do and then you do this other stuff too.
2: Yeah, well I kind of I think I started the call with it like I really define my business as a financial planning and education company and we have three pillars and this is what we do. Um, this is our services. They all complement each other. It all works for me. It's not for everybody. I will tell you that. Like my business, I've built for me. So I think it's great to like listen to other people's success and get inspired by it. But at the same time, like I picked and chose what works for me from other people's services and platforms I was seeing, and what works for me would not work for you know, other advisors, and that's okay. There's more than one way to do it. But yeah, we're I like to be unique in that sense.
1: Okay, so so as we as we come up towards the end here, I've I've got kind of two final questions. One, I'm just wondering with with all these different pieces and and the advisory clients, and time to build new online products and and speaking and corporate partnerships, and got to go out to do a chase thing. Like what does what a typical week <laughs> look like for you <laughs> uh, at this point? Like is, is is there a is there a routine or a structure to this, or, or, or are you just? Kind of tossed in different directions from day to day and week to week. Like what, yeah. What's what's a week in Britney's life look like at this point?
2: Probably nowhere near as crazy as yours, Michael. <laughs> you have more. I, rules I don't know. Than you got I a did. lot of stuff going on. I here. know. You know. I have a great team, and I have great time management skills. I've learned. I knew that was a natural skill set of mine years ago with my color coordinated calendars in junior high. But uh, yeah, honestly, a lot of just. Time management skills and uh, Mondays are usually Mondays and Thursdays are usually when I'm doing like in the office emails, overseeing my team, team calls, client casework, stuff like this. Podcasts, interviews, write written stuff. Tuesdays and Wednesdays is usually when I see clients, and Fridays is usually like <laughs> client overflow or like if I have to see. You know, I call them centers of influences. So I try to keep at least two days out of the week where I'm not like on the go between meetings. But when speaking comes up or my partnerships comes up, sometimes, you know, you, your whole week is different and you could just sort it out. But
1: So do you ever get pushback? I mean, I feel like most of us, you, you see the client whenever the client can be seen and, you know, there's mm-hmm. five days of the week and you do with five days of the week and sometimes you do weekends if you have to. So like you do your client meetings on Tuesdays and Wednesdays.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Do you
1: get a lot of pushback from people like, well, sorry, Brittany, I'd like to meet with you on Thursday next week? No. <laughs> it's just not. A, it, no, just and, I don't. And they accept that. Like, it, that's not yeah. a deal breaker.
2: They, I mean, they'll ask, do you meet on Thursdays or weekends sometimes? I'm like, no, I don't. These are my hours. Because I always think about it, too. And I had to learn. And like, I didn't always do that. I got very clear about how I wanted my business to look. But look. I have a doctor or people I see and they're like, okay, she sees patients X, Y, Z, what works for you? And you figure it out and you get there. And I think that's how I just developed the business four and a half years ago. I was like, this is how I want my business model week to look like. And this is how we're going to pitch it to clients and they'll make it work.
1: So as we wrap up, this is... a. Uh... A show about success. And one of the themes that we always talk about is that that success means different things to different people. And so you certainly have a successful business and one that looks very different than I think most other advisors with yeah. these these three pillars, but you know, collectively adding up to upwards of three hundred thousand dollars of of revenue is a goal you're you're already clearing this year. So I, I as you look forward about where you're Your growth and your opportunity is from here. I'm wondering, how do you define uh, success at this point?
2: Uh, Yeah, my definition of success is actually to live a very happy and fulfilled life, you know, with a lot of laughter, fun obviously money and, you know, but do good work. So I'm at this stage in my life and career, I'm less focused on awards or recognition or even just straight up monetary, you know, rewards. I do love money and I'll definitely want to make my business more profitable, of course. But, you know, you kind of get to a point where you're like, great, I've gotten a lot of awards, you know, I'm, I'm recognized. I have the credibility. So, it's it's a cool spot. Honestly, I'm really enjoying this time in my life and my career because I'll tell you right now with our product creation, I'm more concerned about making an amazing product that's really going to help people versus I got to do this because I need revenue, which is a good spot to be in because I think ultimately that's going to only bring more money because the intention is so all about service and value and giving which you know if you do that in life it only comes back to you so
1: well amen well thank you for coming and joining us and hang out in the podcast and, thanks and michael really cool story
2: i love you and your work and anytime it's been a pleasure
1: well thank you i, I appreciate it and i uh, i'm excited to share this this story out with
2: all <laughs> our listeners yeah thank you for having me
1: absolutely thank
2: okay, you okay bye, bye.